here. Oh, what a day. What a day. Good afternoon, everyone. BC here on another exciting Tech Tuesday. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the 71st episode. Kevin, can you believe 71 of them? I've done 71 non-stop Tech Tuesdays. So what are we going to do for 100? I don't know. Something special. Maybe go to Magic Mountain or something. I don't know. Good afternoon, R35. Good seeing you. Good to see you as well, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. Hello, Nobotoja. Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on this Tech Tuesday where we talk everything about cars, life, you name it. Good afternoon, Ben Laja. Hi, Overduum Tom. Hello, Crito. Good seeing you. Do I have a Subaru build, Jordan asks. No, I do not. No Subi stuff. Yeah, you saw my fastest car. We had a blast of a time filming that. Anders, all the way from Denmark. Hello, Sam. Gareth, thank you so much for being a great fan. I appreciate all the love. Thank you so much, Fish Hunt. I love doing the live streams. I was just talking to Kevin a moment ago, who's right here next to me. Greetings as well. About this being the 71st episode. Pretty bananas. 71 episodes of a Tech Tuesday. How crazy is that, you know? Um, Christopher, never built a Mark 1 V-Dub. No, I haven't even done any water-cooled V-Dubs, even though I find them quite appealing. Hello, ST or Stain G. Good seeing you. Thank you so much for joining me. And those of you on YouTube, thank you for joining us this afternoon as well. And for those listening on podcasting, I appreciate your audience. And today, um, I want to talk about something really crazy. Gareth from South Africa, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. And I want to talk about you know, a couple of things that's really interesting. Um, one is the vehicle right behind me. See this pretty cool EF four-door right there on the dyno? And I really want to talk to you guys about the, the big advantage of dynoing. Hello, RWB. Good seeing you as well. Metro Atlanta. Thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. And whether you, you have a street car, race car, uh, weekend warrior, canyon rider, whatever the case may be, tuning is extremely important. As a matter of fact, you can get the best parts in the world, but a bad tune will make it absolute rubbish. So, what do I mean by that? It's good to find a reputable facility that can do a tune properly for partial and full throttle. And... Please, I beg of you, stay away from the remote tuning stuff. That doesn't really help you. I understand it may be sound cost effective in nature, but hello, Dr. Ahmed, good seeing you, sir. It may sound great from a cost effective perspective, but one is very dangerous to mash up and down the street and take logs with a laptop. Secondly, you cannot optimize ignition timing or cam timing on the road. How do you know what's the best torque? How do you know what the best ignition timing is? You know? Thanks so much, Psycho. You can't. Close to knock and taking, or getting an engine to knock and taking a couple of degrees from it, which is what I see a lot of remote tuner guys come in here with, it doesn't work well. Guess how many remote tunes I put on my dyno that was ideal? Guess how many of them were perfect? Zero, none of them. You just can't do it. How do you know if 32 degrees or 15 degrees or 20 degrees of ignition timing is ideal? How do you know if it's the same on cam timing? How do you know if it's a cam angle 45 that's ideal at high RPMs, or, or a cam angle of 4. You don't. A dyno gives you real-time data in a controlled environment that not only allows you to hear if there's something wrong, but allows you the opportunity to be able to optimize your tune for both partial and full throttle, which is pretty true. You know? So street tunes is not a good idea. I get it's popular, and people on the forums talk about it. And it's great for the guys who are trying to street tune using a laptop in their home looking at logs, but that's not ideal. You cannot. Even with fuel ratios. On NA setups, some fuel ratios, NA, some cars love 12.8 fuel ratios. Others love as lean as 13.6. It depends. And how do you know that? By putting on the dyno and seeing what the car likes. That's it, you know. Um, 
Thank you. Big ups, Natty Rob from Jamaica as well. Thank you so much. Yes, I agree with you. I think good. I'm telling you, if you have a, a, a can flash, that's one thing. Um, but, you know, and EF Power is saying wide open throttle is all you need. I, I beg to differ. Partial throttle is extremely important. And one thing I love about the Dynapacks and one of the reasons why my good friend Kevin is here is to be able to optimize this partial throttle tuning. And we drive a majority of the time, whether we're off-road or on the road, with partial throttle capabilities. Even with drag racing, there's some transient power that happens when you're doing your launch, when you're doing, your, your RPMs fall back down into regions that are not quite ideal. When you're doing a burnout, you want to be able to do it safely. There's so many important things about that, you know? So Z-Easy is asking, how do I feel about Cobb, their lock certified and having them tune it? Well, here's the thing. If you have a factory setup, pretty basic factory setup, most companies like Cobb, Vivid, some of these large organizations um, have experience with what a car needs to see in high RPM. So they don't play around much with cam timing. What they play around with is typically fuel ratios to make sure you're safe. But even with a cam flash, it's not the best of everything until you get accustomed to it. Hello, Falcon Lover Zach. Good seeing you. Hope all is well. Mechanic Club, Mechanic Hub, good seeing you. Daniel, greetings. Thank you so much, Nadi Rob. Appreciate the kind words. And you know, Nadi brings up a good point, you know. Um, yes, that is correct. Um, I think good is absolutely correct. That, you know, when it comes to wide open throttle, it's just a piece of the puzzle, it's not the whole thing, you know. Um, Peter Pattis is asking, BC, 2010 GTR, 35,000 miles on 997 manual 6, 6 ooh, which is more tunable? Yeah, the GTR is pretty good. That's a really good option. Now, the 997, if it was a turbo, I'd be all about it, by all means. Hello. I love your name. Nangi Viribiritritz from Kentucky. Good seeing you. You know, good seeing you indeed. So that being said, guys, so that's one part. Here's another part. Um, I was talking to the family yesterday about this crazy rant I saw from, uh, of all people, Will Smith. He's like this pretty popular actor. I consider an A-list. And he said that he was walking around and someone came up to him and asked him, hey, hey man, this is so cool. How can I be an actor like you? I want to be an actor like you. And we all got into this crazy rant about how, you know what? A lot of people want to be at a certain place but don't want to put in the work. And I have a similar take with when people ask me, BC, you do tunes, you do all these crazy project cars, so on and so forth. I just want to be able to do that. And honestly, you can, but you have to be able to put in the work. And that work doesn't only include you being able to just rent or buy parts and put together, but it's something that Kevin right here next to me is intimate with. You try things, you blow them up, and you try again. You keep experimenting. You don't give up. You have to put in the work to get the advantage. The reason why I know a lot and I'm sharing this with you today is because of me, as I said today, I've blown up a bunch of stuff on my own personal cars. I've dropped valves, I've melted pistons, I've broken rods, I've put windows in my block. I've spun bearings, I've done it all. And what that has done is, it didn't put me in a position where I gave up, I kept going. It gave me the opportunity where I didn't stop. I used the opportunity to learn. Kevin and I, when we have mishaps, we laugh. We're like, oh shoot, that was funny. We're gonna figure it out and make sure it doesn't happen again. And we learn from that, and that's what we do. And that being said, thank you, EF Power, I appreciate the kind words. That is what we have to do about uh, you know, exploring life, whether it's being an actor, a builder, a physician, a mechanic, an engineer, a nurse, whatever the case may be, you don't give up. Keep going. Thank you, Peter, all the way from Switzerland. I appreciate that. It, Kevin is right, and he's saying it gets expensive. It is. And, you know, Kevin, before we have my own dyno, you won't believe how much I spend at R&D. Oh, I can't. 
You won't believe how many stacks I had in just the name of experimentation. But you know what? It helped me become what I am today. It helped me invest in my future. And it's the same thing with school. Hello, Dennis. Cheers. Good seeing you as well. Um, it, tunes, it differs quite a bit because the mechanic, you notice that rotaries don't tend to tolerate the fuel ratios that some of the piston engines see. And you cannot go crazy with ignition timing that you may see with some piston engines. So you have to be very careful. Al-Kawari from Bahrain. Thank you so much. Or Bahrain. Thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. I appreciate that. You know? Oh, that's good. Yeah, he, your dad did write that to me, uh, Zach. His project's going to be pretty good. It looks good already. It's going to be pretty awesome. It's an all-wheel drive EF. No, EF, but EG. It's going to be pretty cool. You know? Um, now, I think good. you're right. But you know what? I have met... I'll tell you something crazy. I hope my engineering peers don't get upset with me with this. But I heard something really crazy recently. Um, there's a gentleman by the name of Devin. And Devin does work with AEM. And he's not an engineer at all. Um, he's, a, he's a tuner and a builder and really ha loves everything automotive. He is a better research automotive scientist than many engineers that I know that were Emmys. So that being said, your passion and how you take the knowledge and apply it can put you in a position where you can do a lot more and have more influence than many engineers. We know people even like Smokey Eunuch back in the day. Many people even doubt that he even had a very strong acumen when it came to academia. But he destroyed people when it came to NASCAR. He was out there making it happen and beating teams that had tons of engineers around them. It's pretty interesting, you know? Um, Banker Boy, I'm not, but we do from time to time take interns. So feel free to send me a resume to lab at vsmart.com and you never know what could happen, you know? And Kevin says that's his bucket is not. That thing is really, really clean. I love this car so much, I am so tempted to build a four-door as well. He's a B-series lover. I throw a K in there in a second. Or just say with a D. I'm pretty crazy, you know? And you're right. DJ, engineers will always need mechanics and vice versa. Because without the engineers designing, the mechanics won't have anything to work on. So it's a very nice symbiosis, very nice opportunity to interact together. So that's my little rant about first about dynos and the fact that you need to find a proper dynamometer in terms of safety and efficiency. And secondly, when it comes to life, don't give up. Exo Truck has a great question about E85 and the cons of E85. Well, the one thing that people tend to complain about E85 is range anxiety. So if you don't have a mapped out location of picking up E85, it can be quite, it can create a lot of range anxiety and some people carry, I've seen customers drive around with gallons and gallons of E85 in their trunk just so that if they go somewhere they can pour it in. Now, in the day and age of engine management solutions and flex fuel capabilities, it's not big of a problem, but that's the one big con is range anxiety and not having access to many stations that carry E85. Second con is consistency of E85. Depending where you are in the country or the world, your E85 could be anything from E80 to E60 to E50 winter blend. You never know. And that doesn't do a good job for your tune, especially if you're tuned on the good stuff. Above and beyond that, many people tend to shy away from using good oil, and it's a very big no-no when it comes to E85. E85 does tend to go past the rings and tend to contaminate conventional oil very easily. And what happens, you find this froth situation where you don't have the protection that you deserve. You may have some aeration very easily of conventional oil when it combines with E85 or dilutants of E85. And what that does, it creates a bad impression for your engine and spun bearings and destroyed camshafts and valve trains. So when it comes to E85, you have to be very careful with all you're putting. Of course, I run Purell, which is E85 compatible, and you don't have that challenge. One other thing about a con about E85, and I don't like talking about cons so much, but is in terms of my gas mileage. You do tend to consume 
for the same amount of air ingested, about 30 to 40% more fuel than you would on conventional gasoline. So that being said, your gas mileage tends to go down quite a bit. One last but not least, not all the cons, but one other con that's worth noting is the fact that E85 is known as a compound that is hygroscopic, which means that it absorbs moisture from the atmosphere. So if you let it sit on the floor quite a bit in a tank, or you let it sit in your car where it's a vented tank as well, you can have an opportunity where it absorbs moisture from the atmosphere and renders it not as potent. So that's not very good. Now, as a cleansing agent, as you may see if Power just said, um, E85 containing a lot of alcohol, the OH radical that's associated with that compound, it can really clean a lot of stuff. So if you have rubbish in your tank, the rubbish in your lines, it will clean that up and dump it, yes, in your injector. So make sure your fuel system is maintained properly. Now, what are some of the advantages? Well, it's much cooler, has a high caloric content, meaning for every amount of air ingested, you can make more power. We've seen anywhere from 5 to 8% improvement of power, even on any applications. It smells really good, as far as I'm concerned. I know what you think about that, Kevin, but I love the smell of E85. And above and beyond that, because it has a lower latent heat of vaporization, it cools the intake charge. So many times you can have a down, uh, downward injector and you touch your intake manifold, it's much colder. Because, because it has a lower heat of vaporization, it grabs heat from the atmosphere or from the surroundings to help in atomization and causes a cooler intake charge, which means more denser air molecules in there, more oxygen and more power, which is very nice, you know? And of course, being a, one that has a very nice higher octane than the standard gasoline, you can get away with murder. The Odyssey back there does 41 PSI on E85, no problem. On pump 85, I run 85 on this Porsche right here. And Kevin loves 85 as well. It's pretty nice, you know? Uh, thank you so much. I don't know if you can see that, but the uh, wagon, uh, not the wagon, but the Odyssey's right there. You can see the hood open at the top right there. So that is the Odyssey. Sorry about those of you on the podcast and you can't hear or see the wagon. So sorry about that, you know? Yes. Oh, you love the smell of race gas, eh? Do you like the smell of Q16? Yeah, I do. That is pretty potent stuff. <laughs> Q16 is great. It contains olefins and some, some um, uh, what do you call it, oxygenates, which can be quite carcinogenous, which means you can get cancer from breathing it for extended periods of time. But it smells pretty cool. I agree. I like nitromethane. Right? He likes nitromethane. Yeah, that thing will mess you up badly. And the great thing about nitromethane, the contaminants of nitro, or the, or the, I would say the, uh, Com combustance, uh, combustion elements of, of nitromethane easily displaces oxygen. So you don't want to breathe that. You can actually choke and pass out <laughs> from lack of air because you're around nitro. Nasty stuff, you know? I think good say you'd love to see me build an NAJ series Honda. That would be really cool because we have some advancements in um, valve train technology in terms of J series. The one limitation of an NAJ is the fact you have to slide the camshaft in. So just like many V8s, your cam profile cannot be bigger than your journal. So that limits you. If I want a 600 lift J, camshaft is gonna be really tough. It may require me to do some serious, serious modifications to the head, including cutting off caps and being able to bolt them on or something crazy. It's gonna be pretty interesting. Oh, he said, let's do it. Something else is that um, I've been really close to talking to the guys at Corporate Honda. They don't want me touching those old engines anymore. Sad but true. Um, yeah, you know, 85 is cost effective per gallon. But the fact that you use a lot more, it uh, gets pretty interesting very quickly in just sheer economics, you know? Go be okay, J can't do much. Oh, well, EF power, I would bet to differ. K is good, but horsepower per liter, when you compare a B to a J, you can do some damage with a J, you know? 
Um, Jim Genghis Khan said he made 530 on pump at 92 and 660 on, there you go, on 85. That's awesome. That's very, very, very common. You can get away a lot more boost. And it gives you timing with 85. It's a wonderful view. I love it very much, you know? Um, do you have any new V6 that you could play with apart from the NSX? Yes, they do. Honda does have a new J series, which is the Earth Dreams Project and Direct Injection. But they made the casting so much thinner. So from a performance perspective, I can't push it too much without cracking it. But yeah, they do have new J-series, which are direct injected, which is pretty nice, you know? Um, AJ's asking, which he asked me so much, is Odyssey still drivable or has the smog exemption expired? No, not yet. Stop jinxing me. It hasn't. It's still drivable. Um, that's the one in the Accord, right? Yes, it, you can see the J-series in the Accord, and you can also see it in the Odyssey. And I think they have it in the Pilot as well. I'm not sure. I need to get myself more acclimated with the newer models of Hondas that are not performance-oriented, you know? Yes, you can sleeve the new J-Series. So the thing is that um, even the one, the, the Odyssey is sleeved. So you can sleeve all the Earth Dreams, but just to make the engine blocks lightweight, Honda did a smashing job in really thinning out the housings, which is nice, the block itself. And what that does then is that when you get to a point where you put a lot of stress into it, the blocks seem to fracture right where the main studs end in the block. Secondly, one thing that I feel is a slight design disadvantage, even though it's cost-effective for the manufacturer, of the J-Series, the fact that it has two bolt mains. And what does a two bolt main mean? Well, that's what holds a crankshaft to the block. And since you have two bolts, you tend to see a lot of crank walk when you put a lot of stress. Literally, when you're putting a lot of power to your engine, you're pretty much trying to push that crankshaft into the ground. I don't know if you think about that, but if you think about combustion, and then the crankshaft coming back up, trying to push up elements of ingestion, and then you're igniting it, you're essentially trying to push that crankshaft into the ground. So you need some main caps to really hold that in place. And even using ARP studs, which does a great job in keeping stretch at bay and keeping things intact, that crank really pushes on those caps and they want to walk around on you. And that's not very good for bearings and that's not very good for power. So when you try and push, you can have some challenges. If you look at performance engines, especially from Chevy and Ford, you see a lot of six bolt main applications there. And I'm very happy with my friend from Hyundai, their Lambda V6 engines, have six bolt main stock, which is pretty cool, you know? Oh, thank you so much, boy teacher. I appreciate the kind words, by all means, you know? Yeah, Kevin is helping me get the wagon back on the road. We are doing some experimentation, which um, helps a lot of our partners, and uh, we're trying to play around some things with the drivetrain, which is pretty exciting, you know? Thank you so much, Nathan. Appreciate that. Um, yes, type of knowledge. Uh, lots of reading, lots of experimentation, lots of racing. <laughs> so what do I think about the new 2JZ swaps in the new Mark 5 Supra? Fletch, it seems to be the thing to do, but I'll be honest with you. And guys, please don't kill me if you're against this, but I don't think it's a good idea. I don't. Why? See, Kevin actually answered for you guys, asked me why. And I'll tell you why, Kevin. And friends and family. I am a huge advocate of being able to take engines that are current and figuring them out. Okay, so we, so we can put LSA in it? You can put an LSA in it, that's fine. No, Kevin's being silly. But I, I think that's really giving up. Taking an engine that's had decades of R&D and parts support and just putting a new chassis doesn't do much for the advancement of that inline engine that BMW developed in conjunction with Toyota. I, I really think, oh, hey, Hedy, exactly as Chris is here. <laughs> and it's heavy, absolutely. So Alfie made a good point. The 2J, that's a pretty heavy engine. 
And people love it, but look at those ports. Don't be surprised if you can make that inline six from BMW, Toyota, BMW, Moto, Toyota, Moto, 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 anyway, whatever you want to call it. Don't be surprised if you can make a lot of power equal to, if not more than, the 2J. It would take some time, but I remember, Kevin, I remember when the 2J was an engine people even liked. And now it was like, oh, 2J, oh. I remember people used to laugh at RBs, like, oh, and look now. So you know what? This happens all the time in our scene. A new engine comes out, people talk crap. I remember people used to talk about crap about the K-series engine, the K20. Oh, the timing chain, oh, the tension, it's a horrible engine. Honda should stay with the B. I remember those days, but look now. People coming here, stock K24s making 260 to the wheels, all motor. So we're putting it in wagons and, and, and eclipsing almost a thousand horsepower. We're putting it in, in ten, nice gen Civic SIs and making a thousand four in a K series with a single exhaust port. So guys, give it some time. Um, Hedy was there at the track this weekend at the NASCAR track, which NASCAR is actually pretty cool. Kevin? Yeah, That's I, pretty I cool. did not know you were that I, I wasn't either. I didn't know I was one either. It's pretty cool. But nonetheless, we were there with the guys from Toyota. Hedy was really, really talking to the guys from Toyota. And don't be surprised if she does some magic and we end up getting one of those and going crazy with it. And I will not put a 2J in mine. I won't do it. You know? I heard about the S Robles. I heard that Texas 2K this year was out of control. And our friends from Ant Moto out there putting down the law with a Viper. That was pretty crazy. 5th Gen Viper just doing it. It was pretty nice, you know? I'm sure the B58 is, AJ. It's just people are so quick to... And you know what's really crazy? I'm trying not to get... I don't want to go get my wig now and put it on. But what's crazy is that all these people talking all this mess are not going to even buy the car. Why are you so vested in speaking so bad about the BMW-Toyota co combination when you're not even going to buy the car ever? You know? <sighs> you know what? So Sick Motors, I actually do... And forgive me. It's my fault. I... I am the one who didn't do a good job in promoting it. So every Tech Tuesday, I do have it on podcast. So whether it's um, um, Radio Public, Anchor, Spotify, um, trying to think of a Google Podcast, iTunes, all you have to do is search for Bismodo and it comes up. You can see every Tech Tuesday I've done on there. No problem whatsoever. CCC Gordon, ooh, he's asking, are there any news, is there any news on Velocia M parts? I'm gonna give you this little hint. You are gonna be very happy with me in two quarters. Very happy. That's all I can say. You're gonna be absolutely blown away, you know? I would love to go as Robles. I, I need, you know, I need to go. You know what would be so stupid? What if I took the wagon to Texas 2K? That would be the most crazy thing in the world, wouldn't it? I should take two cars, the wagon van, and just build a specific Porsche, maybe one of these center seats, just go there and put down the law. That'd be really cool, you know? I know, I know, but I'd love to just go there. And, you know, one of the things that I always loved back in the day, and you didn't know me then, Kevin, was being this whole David and Goliath, where all the OEMs came out to Pomona at an NHRA event, and I came with my little open trailer, my CRX. And I mess up all the points, and people get mad at me. I'd love to be able to do that again, but this time, with some crazy exotics, a Texas 2K with the Wago van and like a Boxster, and <laughs> just go out there and put down the law. That'd be cool. Five and six seconds in four miles. They're, 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 they're doing some crazy stuff there. The, the Texas 2K stuff is out of control. Now this guy says do it. Ah, someone asked me about the fuel thing. You know, I was talking to the team about it, and I should probably do it. 
Okay, we were, we were talking about last time when I was um, in the Oceanside, was making our own fuel. Yeah, fuel? Yeah, and uh, it, it, it's something that will really spark back my interest in everything chemistry-based, which is my background. And it will allow me the time to give back to all the stuff that was done to me, because I really hated the fact that I was banned from making my fuel. So now I can do it, and I think everyone will enjoy it and benefit from my technology, you know? It does need a little love, CCC Gordon, and one of the biggest challenges is flashing. We need to get that ECU has multi-level encryption. Man, we have to get into that continental ECU. It's going to be tough, but we need to get into it. That whole plug-and-play stuff with the piggybacks is not going to cut it. We need pure access to that ECU. That'd be great. Ah, Plenum Chris. <laughs> Change your name to Plenum Chris. And <laughs> he's messing with you today, you know. Yeah, yeah, power. You know, Hyundai's come a long way. Remember from the Hyundai Excels to today to the Veloster, and they've come a long way. And guess what? That's another influence of BMW into Hyundai. And believe it or not, that Veloster N was the best. I'm serious. I, I, and this is coming from a guy who loves Genesis coupes. That was the best performance Hyundai I've ever driven. And it's very BMW-like. The feel of the, of, the, of, the, of the shifter, the feel of the steering, the weighting of the steering wheel, the backfiring in the end mode. It's really cool. So, Argosta, I do not make custom tunes online. Um, I just talked about that. And by all means, go back and listen to the beginning of this interaction. I just talked about the, it being a bad idea to do e-tunes or remote tunes for two main reasons. One, that you cannot optimize ignition timing and you cannot optimize cam timing either. And it's not very safe to do that, you know? You are tardy, QB whipped that but nonetheless thank you so much anything viable coming to tune the new nsx stand on a flash luigi another multi-level encryption on the uh nsx i know our friends from sos have something in the works already that they've had success with but it depends on what acra does i'm trying to get to work with them very much ah emergency hooked it, victor good seeing you love to you as well brother thank you so much fabian this shirt is available on the Simple web store um it's pretty cool with the am filters um we sold quite a few recently. I think we have larges and extra larges left, you know? Ah, ha, ha, ha. Um, what is the horsepower on the Odyssey? So what I do publish is 1029, but I'll give you a hint as my family here. It makes more than that. <laughs> it makes more than 1029, it's pretty cool. Thank you, Fabian, appreciate the kind words. Appreciate that indeed. Ah, oh, Victor wants his car to, I know. Victor, I need to bring you in, by all means, you know? Kevin is hugging up the dyno, but we'll get him off and get you on there, which is super, you need to. I, I will schedule him in, no problem. I, I'll send him a text after this. No problem whatsoever. Yes, Vic was, Victor, done. I'll make it too. You need to drive that thing properly. You have a proper engine management solution. We need, might as well get it, get it you know, going. You know? Lies? Oh, my God. I'll call you. I, I promise. I'll call. I promise. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, oh, R18 build. Okay. Um, R18s are cool, but the head... The head. Um, the R18 head leaves a lot to be desired. So that's a challenge, you know. Um, could you get an AM Infinity to work with the factory OBD or OBD2 system? Yes, I could, AJ, but it will require a CAN module, an OBD2 uh, conversion module, which could be an expensive venture. So OBD looks at all the parameters that are ideal from readiness codes and so on and so forth. You can mimic that with a module and have the ECU supply that data, have it converted so the OBD can read it properly. You can. But most people won't pay for that. So I don't think that's a good 
opportunity for a business model. But uh, nonetheless, you know, it can be done by all means. If it's a passion project, let's say I just won the lottery and I was really bored and I want to do that, I can definitely do that, you know. Um, you're better off um, OBD zero. <laughs> no OBD. You're better off off-road or pre-75 in California, which is pretty interesting, you know. Uh, guys, I, I appreciate that. Thank you so much for the kind words. Thank you so much. So, projects for this year. Um, I may have to do another poll because I'm getting to a point where I have to decide on which one to do. And let me know your thoughts, guys. I'm thinking about building one or the other. The Mercedes with a crazy boosted setup with the 190E or the MR2. Crazy boosted, but I think either one with a sequential gearbox. Thank you, Ant Hall. Let me know. Alfie says Benz. Alfie says I should go towards Germany and build a crazy 190. Golf R, AJ, that's not even an option. <laughs> 190, wow, 190 is winning so far, you know. MR2, FG, wow, MR2, 4G63, that's a Mitsubishi Diamond Star setup. MR2, see now it's okay, I just have to put a poll online because I'm getting lots of MR2s and lots of Mercedes Benzes, you know. Um, do you like the idea of doing RWB to approaches? Yes, Credo, I think it's pretty cool. I'm a huge advocate of making cars your own. Um, one of the complaints I had this weekend as I did this video at the um, Rosnack Morning Octane event was I see all these exotics stock. I'm tired of seeing stock exotics, and that's okay, but I'm an advocate, just like Kevin's beautiful four-door there, and just like the boxman right here next to me, I'm a huge advocate, or even the Porsche on my chest, I'm a big advocate of making cars your own, you know? Okay, Hedy, we'll do the pink one first. Yeah, okay, fine. So guys, before I do the Mercedes or I do the 190E or MR2, I have to finish a pink Porsche that's missing a clutch and a harness finished, so I have to do that first. But anyway, um, let's see. BC on a factory B series distributor, how high do you see the timing advance off factory? Um, depends on the setup. Is this a stock engine? There's more, I can't need more information than that, you know? Um, let's see, all-wheel drive, CRV trans, 12 horsepower, MR2 sequential, award first. CRV trans in a, all-wheel how could, AJ, very cool project, but I have to, I'm looking at a chassis right now. I'd have to cut the crap out of that thing to make all-wheel drive. Can I have to destroy this MR2 to make all-wheel drive? Yeah. That's gonna be tough, you know? What do you got guys, the guys over at Chiefy doing some crazy stuff with the exotic? I think it's great, I like what Alex is doing, indeed. Very much so. You know, engineering the MR2 more interesting than Mercedes, unless you do something fancy as F. Yes, um, by all means, I can tell you one thing, guys. Whether it is the MR2 or the Benz, it's going to be bananas. It's, put it this way. I run the risk, and yes, a risk, of making one of those two cars being the craziest thing I've ever built. That's how crazy it is, you know. Cozy's saying I should do it. Tough is good. Oh, trust me, Cozy. Tough is like my middle name. BC Tough is a real hard. I always tend to choose the hardest things to do, like a 500 horsepower ZRZ and a 1,000 horsepower Odyssey in seven weeks and seven center seat Porsches and all-wheel drive wagon vans that didn't come all-wheel drive and all kind of crazy stuff. So I'm not, I'm not really shy. I don't really shy away from challenging projects, you know? MR2 roll racing at Texas 2K. That would be pretty cool. It's, it's light enough, but I'll give you guys a hint. If I'm going to do the MR2, I may go the other way and do something a little rally. I haven't built a rally car before. So it, I may do a rally thing to it, which would be pretty cool, you know? It needs to be all-wheel drive. It needs to be all-wheel drive if you're going to rally? 
So rear engine rear wheel drive is not enough. Ah. Is my dually stock? Nope. <laughs> my dually is not stock at all. I have some suspension modifications, internal modifications, and a lot of mods inside the, um, uh, in the cabin as well. Heart is good, says Sam. That's my man. Sam is crazy enough to join me on my crazy excursions. Very talented fabricator. And he's the one who makes things happen here. And yeah, he knows. All-nighters and lots of craziness, which is pretty amazing, you know? K-Swap the F1 wheel drive MR2. Ooh, Iman, that sounds good. Iman thinks I should K-Swap it. So K-Swap boosted sequential. That sounds really yummy. Mm. They're doing one already? What year generation? Oh, newer MR2. I'm a fan of the AW11. I like the old school stuff, you know? Oh, did you do sequential as well? Jeez. Wow. Kevin's give me some education here. From Quave? Wow. I'm creating some good opportunities here, which is pretty cool. Maybe I should schedule dinner time with Sammy Fabricated. Maybe he'll. Oh, Jesus Christ. Stop it, Victor. Cut it out. You know? Turbo GR MR2. The 2GR engine. That's an okay engine. But maybe he has some good opportunity. Skis up front, 275s in the back. Yep, that's a good idea. A six cylinder. That engine bay is really tight, but I think you'd be able to squeeze something in there. It's pretty tight, though. You know. uh, how easy is the Mazda F2 engine to rebuild or work on? I haven't played with that yet, so I wouldn't be in the best position to do that. Olds 55 and the MR2. I can't do an Oldsmobile engine. <laughs> MR2. J-Series rear-wheel drive. Ooh. Iman, I like how you think. That's pretty cool. Okay, Beams engine, those things don't make any power in it. Had them good. <laughs> People pay so much money for those engines and they're really cool because Beams, those things cannot get out of their own way. 13B, now you're talking. How about, Mr. Paris, how about a 20B rotary MR2? How dope would that be, you know? Um, well, you do have a Series 1. If you're able to do an Infinity, you should. You can give Kirk them a call, see if they can help you with Infinity. That would be the way to go, you know? My pleasure indeed, Iman. I appreciate that indeed. Iman for Keem son. <laughs> I like rotaries too. I, I really find rotaries. There, there, when I was coming to work today, there was an FD with a rotary. It sounded so good. It's pretty good, you know? First gen CRV WRC. It would be so cool, but Honda won't even support me with that. Many guys, how do I like HTB? I love HTBs because we kind of developed it. <laughs> so a lot of people don't know about this, but we made the first in drag racing period, the first Honda to Honda adapter plate system. We started with a D series to an H series, and then went H to B. The only thing I didn't do was coin that name, but I remember I called it the Prelude to B series Honda adapter plate management system or something like that. It was a pretty long title, and it was shown to H to B by people who knocked me off. So the knockoffs have been so prominent there that people don't even remember that those H to B kits, H to D kits, all those mix and matching transmissions and gearboxes came from here at BC Moto. That's how we started that, which is pretty crazy, you know? Um, so, Mr. Jimmy, I am really, really good. I'm really good at a lot of things that I do, but I couldn't have started a fuel company since last week, Tuesday. It's just not possible. So, what I did was I asked you guys about, um, yeah, very funny, Hedy. I asked you guys about the opportunity, would it be a good idea? And many of you said yes, but it does take time to be able to set up that. Um, even setting up a lab takes many, many weeks, if not months to set up a proper lab to be able to mix up batches of fuel. And then testing takes a very long time as well. But um, it's something that is very high on my radar, and don't be surprised, but 
it's not possible for me to create a company in a week. It's just not possible, you know? Baby S2K MR2. So using the F20C engine, which turns clockwise with gearbox, that'd be pretty cool. I think that'd be pretty cool. I like that. I like that thinking. I like that indeed. Um, what about an S85 and MR2 twin turbo? Ooh, S85 engines, uh, there's some other opportunities there that may make more power. But um, it looks like a lot of people are moving me towards the MR2. Um, I think the Benz are really cool. I've never built a Mercedes. Um, I also never built a Toyota. I wish I had the time and resources to build both to the level that I find appealing. But it's either I build one very well or I build two so-so, which is pretty, pretty interesting, you know? Single F20 bottom H22 head turbo. So if you're talking about F20B bottom end, the heads are pretty much the same. I don't think that would be very exciting. Inline 5 Turbo MR2. So do I like all these S2000 swapping to a J? I think it's cool. Um, especially since J series are pretty cost effective. You get those for a dime a dozen at a local, local wrecking yard. So I, I assume that's probably the appeal, is that it's very cost effective, you know? Um, Silica GTS engine swap. That's a good idea. That, that fits very nicely. How about a 914? Well, I have a couple 914s here. I have one that runs, a, a 76 2.0 which, then now that'd be a cool project to put a J-Series in. Um, and I have a roller here, which I'm looking at right now. It's a 75 roller, so it's pretty small in California, clean title. I think I'll just get rid of that. I need, I need to put that out and just sell it. I'm not gonna rebuild that 914. But the complete one I built. So if any of you want a 914 roller, as a project car, I have one right here. Make me a proper offer, clean title, and I'll be more than happy to uh, have you uh, pick it up for your stable. Let me know. Um, could I do a manual conversion? I want to do AMG, such as E63. Yes, you can. But to have all the dash and can stuff work properly, it's going to be a bit of a challenge. So when you have a project like that, if you want to do it in a very clean manner, you may end up making it more motorsport, meaning a full standalone system, a custom dashboard, and a manual gearbox. But to make everything work, it'll be an experiment that can be extremely, extremely expensive. Can be done using some of the engine management solutions where you can create your own CAM protocol, but it can be very, very expensive. A cost-effective way would be to do a full standalone manual gearbox and your own cluster and incorporate that in the, in, in the chassis PDM or power distribution module, you know? Um, I will squeeze you in, Victor. Whether it's early morning or late night, we'll squeeze you in. It's pretty crazy, but I'd be more than happy to, you know? Um, right now, factory, I would say, as Robles, until I, my friends from Pure come out with something new. I think they're playing with some... They're playing with some blends now, so they probably should have a, a gearbox all you for you in about three months, three to four months. But right now, factory would be ideal, you know? Um, yep, factory for now. Kevin is absolutely correct. That's what I'll put in there. Until Pure comes up with some cool stuff, which I know they're playing with some crazy blends. <laughs> Turbo Jesus is laughing. That's so funny. That's so funny. Thank you so much, guys. Um, yeah, everyone's giving me the same advice. S. Robles, that's the way to go. AJ, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Good to see you. Greetings from New York City. Good seeing you, Rod. Hope you're traveling well and that things are going well for you out there. I don't know how the climate is back east, but hopefully it's very good. And guys, for those of you who don't know, um, Rod, very good friend of mine, you guys kept asking about that red um, uh, 935 Porsche I put on, like I think last week, and I talked about this hashtag, we have the meats. That's his call. It's absolutely fantastic. Right? GY says, do I have any thoughts on the new Supra? One thought to start off with, it looks better in person 
than in photos. That's one. Secondly, unlike many builders or enthusiasts, I'm excited about the combination between BMW and Toyota. I have seen and been part and privy to partnerships between companies. I've seen recently a Veloster N from Hyundai where the engineer Beerman, who's the head of the M design division of engineering for BMW, came over to Hyundai, and I've seen what he created with Hyundai, and it's great. I've seen advantages with Porsche and Toyota doing some together in their acing division to make some very good gearboxes, and that's worked very well for the 996-997 Porsches. A lot of Porsche guys don't know that. And then now with the BMW, for builders and tuners like us, I think that's awesome because there's going to be a lot of cross-pollination with the engines and parts, which is great. Plus, there's an opportunity to create new products that can make those cars very exciting. So I think it's cool. And for those who don't even like the bodywork, that's okay. A great opportunity for people to build bumpers. I think um, there's a, a very talented designer from the UK who just put up a render um, of this beautiful front bumper that's very Mark IV looking. If a company makes that, whether it's the guys from Japan or the guys here in the US, if they make a bumper like that, it'll sell like crazy. Maybe I should get involved and make something like that. But it looks really cool, and that's an opportunity. I don't look at it as a bad thing. So I think it's cool. I think people should get really excited and do some cool things about that, you know? <clears throat> I know Daigo went ahead with the HKS team and put a 2J in it. That's cool. It's easier. Honestly, guys, it's easier. It's easy to take the factory engine out, throw it in a rubbish bin, and put in a 2J. Because you have pistons, rods, engine management system, headwork, valve train, camshafts, gearboxes, clutches, turbo systems, manifolds. You have everything to close your eyes and make four-digit four power out of 2J. Eyes closed. You know what's not easy? Using the BMC, BMW Legacy inline six and cream power like that. It takes time. Hello, Kiernis Paul. Good seeing you. Thank you so much. Um, wow, it's like Hedy and HR having a full conversation here. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Oh, <laughs> uh, you want to see me build an E30 build? That'd be cool. You know what really helped me with that is if I develop a relationship with BMW. That makes things much, much easier, you know? Um, how critical is it? Well, Mr. Jimmy, it depends on where the sand lines are. So on a turbo application, you're force-inducing. So if your sand lines are within reason, it's not super critical. But if you have a custom camshaft that's something that you have no idea what's going on with it, it only takes you about 30 minutes to degree a camshaft. And maybe an hour, um, it's better to do it. Especially if your building engine is on the stand. It makes it much easier, you know? Um, what is... A, oh, my God, I forgot this. Uh, anyway... Um, I would love to build a Subaru too. I, I have a soft box for Subies. Believe it or not, of all the guys, you know, I sell a lot of Pirol here, the guys who I support, and they support me as well, and I sell a lot to Subi guys. They're, they're, Subi guys are big hardcore. I sell a lot of that to them. They're very nice, you know? Johnny's asking what a, a, a dream build or a car would be for me. At this point in time, I'd love to get my hands on the new Porsche Taycan, formerly known as the Mission E, for electric performance car from Porsche and being able to have access to the inverters to build and go crazy. I feel it can be, it can put me on the cusp of the new advent of supercar tour, tuning, which is everything electrified. So I'd love to be able to do that. Maybe form a new division called uh, Coulomb or something. <laughs> Coulomb, which is like a unit for energy. Um, I wouldn't mind doing that. Um, so Jesus gave me a nice, some hard time here. He's saying when I'm gonna man up, and do something that's 200 PSI, like a diesel. Um, I probably won't do that. <laughs> I think I'm going to start focusing more towards 
electric vehicles more than going towards diesel. Even though diesels are cool, I find them appealing. I have a diesel truck myself I used to tow, and it's awesome. I understand the advantages of it, but I really think they are Columbo, yes, Eddie. But I really think that um, going more EV is the future and something I like to play around with quite a bit, you know? Yes, JP, I can make your, 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 your Prius very fast. I can put an LS in it. I'm mean, not kidding. I can do a lot of things to make it fast, you know? <laughs> I know, I saw that. Is it the green one, like army looking one? I saw that SEMA, it was pretty cool. What are my thoughts about the NSX before I had a chance to track it? And what are my thoughts after? Great question, Submasters. Before I saw the third gen, yeah, I, can, I can call that a third gen NSX or the most recent NSX. Prior to that, I listened to people. I listened to my customers. A lot of my customers who have NA1s and NA2s, who come here to tune, who are fellow enthusiasts, who come to the meets, who some of them had exposure to it at the testing grounds of Honda Acura, improving grounds up north. Um, everyone was really bashing it. And their bashing actually affected me negatively. So bashing the NSX saying that it's not what it used to be, they should have kept the old body, it really sucks, oh my goodness, it's horrible, it's an atrocity, it, 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 it's killing the memory of Sokuro Honda. It's, all the things I heard, I believed. So I, was, I really had very low expectations of the car when Acura was kind enough to allow me to play with it for a while. And then when I got it and drove it, I was really impressed. It offers the technology. Here's why I see it is very similar to the NA1 and NA2. When the NA1 first came out in the late 90s, or early 90s, I should say, it was ahead of its time. For the technology at the time, it was way ahead of its time. Ferrari couldn't even mess with it. It was genuinely Ferrari killer. It had classic looks, which was absolutely fantastic. So let's fast forward to today. What are some of the parallels? If you look at the NSX and the technology it offers with the integrated motor assist and the two electric motors, in other words, a supercar with a hybrid setup, that's the technology you tend to see in the P1, technology you tend to see in the Enzo, technologies you see in the 918 Spider from Porsche. These are cars that are in the seven-figure range. But the NSX offers you that at a fraction of the cost. And the launch control in that thing is amazing. The different modes, the quiet mode where I pull up and it sounds like a Prius, it's quiet. You can really learn. It's a perfect drive-by car. <laughs> but then, when you're in the Sport Plus mode or race mode, it is fantastic. It activates the senses. You have the advantages of that immediate response. There is no lag in this turbo setup. Zero lag. Zero. The electric motors do a great job of giving instant torque that was controlled very nicely by the, by the, by the power distribution modules off the line, and then it seamlessly integrates into the petrol engine and the larger turbos, which is fantastic. So it's, it's really, really good, you know? So that being said, um, it's absolutely fantastic. Oh, did I miss something? What's going on with Eddie? <laughs> what happened there? Someone asked you a question and she answered it, and oh. I think they wanted you to answer it. Um, Hedy, I'll let them get to you. Um, Hedy's actually very, very apt when it comes to technology and so on and so forth, you know? Um, thank you so much. I appreciate the kind words, JDM Cut. Thank you so much. Um, monsters are... So I love the NSX, in other words. It's, it's a technological marvel. If there's one area of opportunity for the NSX, it would be the interior. Um, the seats are nice, and they kind of hug you. Not too soft, not too hard. But the center console is akin to some other Honda models that I've been intimate with, and I don't, I don't think it's very attractive, the center console. But apart from that, the car is fantastic. Stops beautifully, offers a lot of technology, and is a perfect, wonderful platform to be able to allow for 
improvement or customization or to make your own in terms of, 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 of just modifying it. And I'm really this close to picking one up. I really want to get one. So we'll see, you know? Um, yeah, of course, David, you're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct, by all means, you know? Do I like the older Volkswagens, like the MK Mark II? I do. Um, the VR6, I haven't been intimate with them, but I, you know, a lot of these are going full circle. So you're starting to see a lot of Mark II and Mark III builds, which is pretty cool. Um, and still, you know, the VW crowd, they're very cool. I, I wouldn't mind playing around with at least the UR. Those things are really awesome, you know? Um, would I choose a GT3 Touring or an NSX? Ooh, Invictus, that's a good question. GT3 Touring or NSX? Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Dang. See, I love the... Oh, that's a good question. That is a tough one. The touring is nice because it's... The GT3 touring is nice because you can, you can comfortably go out on the weekends with it and you can go to track with it as well. And it sets as well. So here's what I'll say. In terms of, of exclusivity, things you don't see often, I may have to go NSX. I may have to go NSX, because um, it's not common. You don't see those around. But the GT3 Touring, man, that is a, awesome. It's a wonderful car. It's a wonderful car, and sounds good. That's a tough one. Jesus Christ, you know? Relentless Racing says, 9962 turbos. Since one had to fix the cooling issues, which turbos would you suggest to switch to? Um, well, the cooling is not such a challenge. It's just that one pipe um, that is... Uh, use the adhesive to fix the engine. And we see more of those problems with 996.1s. Um, 9962s, yes, you can pin it. And if I were to upgrade turbos, I'll probably go with a Turbonetics TNX 20 series. That's a very nice one, you know, um, which is pretty nice, you know? Okay. Let me close this. Did I lose everyone here? Okay, here we go. Do I like rotary, rotary engines or something? I like both. You know, I like both of them, actually. Oh, no, there's no use for trolls here. Um, bang for buck. Is it worth buying a new Type R over the new Accord? Bang for buck? Ooh. So the Type R and the Accord both have the same basic engine architecture, except the Accord has smaller camshaft, smaller turbo, and a different gearbox. So if you want a sleeper look, the Accord would be the way to go, even though the Accord is a little bit heavier compared to Type R. And the Accord is actually very subtle. I, I love the, the, the technology and the driving of the Type R, but I think the car is a little too loud for me. So that being said, why don't you get, you know what would be ideal for me? An SI Coupe with a Type R setup. That would be awesome. It's pretty nice, you know? Um, Parallel turbo systems for 3.5, your recommendations? That'd be pretty cool. I would like that. That's a very good project. That'd be very nice at all. Do. Um, do you know if Acro will use Long Beach? Ooh, I miss you. Will use Long Beach as a stage? Will we be at Long Beach? Um, I don't know if they will. I can find out. But yes, um, Hedy just spoke to Reggie today. And it looks like we're going to be there, by all means, you know? Oh, Flex, good seeing you. How are you, sir? Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Um, I have not had any experiences with their turbo kit, PGV. I have not at all. Um, favorite car that I've ever have or ever had? 
I have quite a few. So um, before I let you go, because the time is getting pretty crazy, um, the favorite car I have in terms of driving would be this center seat right here. This thing is well balanced. It's absolutely fantastic for those of you. You can see that right there. Sam was really instrumental to the success of that build. And it's absolutely like a go-kart of steroids. In terms of pure recognizability, it'll be a kind of a tie between the waggle band that's right here behind me and the Odyssey. So you have the Odyssey right there, which you can see the top of it, and the wagon. Let me try to flip this around. And that's the wagon right there on the left. And so it's kind of a tie between those two when it comes to a recognizable vehicle. Then when it comes to sheer frightening, it would be the, the, the Porsche. Which, by the way, guys, I'm giving you guys a hint. This coming Friday, I will be at the Hoonigan in Long Beach headquarters. And we're going to have the opportunity to do a build biology on the blue Porsche. For those of you who haven't had opportunity to know what makes this car tick, you will very, very soon, which is pretty nice. The first car I ever drove, you might be asking, was an old school Peugeot 504, back in Nigeria where I'm from, which is pretty nice, you know? So that's pretty nice. So, Fields, I think it's time for you to leave us here, and it's time for you to go. Okay, so, that being said, have you seen a Honda TV show? Yes, you have, absolutely, absolutely indeed, you know? First ever car that I drove, talked about that. Hey, don't give him any mind, he's being very silly. But guys, look, my time is almost up here, so that being said, oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate that. Um, anyone done a Type R swap? To, yes, there's someone right now who's doing an EM swap with a Type R. So that's pretty nice, you know. But guys, thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. I really appreciate that. Johnny, I'm so sorry, but I do have to depart. But if you have any questions or comments, please, by all means, feel free to write because your feedback is very important to me. And just as a reminder, our friends from Purell are still doing their, I think they're still doing their uh, sponsorship opportunities. I think it ends this Friday. So if you haven't written to the guys at Purell, I think at sales at PurellUSA.com, um, please do. They're still accepting all those applications, okay? So have a good day, after afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining me this afternoon. Take care and cheers. Bye-bye. Ooh, that's, a, that's good.